Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Got a couple things. We gave some announcements, but before I speak, I want to tell you about two things really quickly. One is, if you're part of One Hope, you know our Sea Feel Act books. Last week, the last edition of this year um, was put out. It's only a 40-day um, guide for uh, through Scripture because on January 7th, when we begin the new year, the new series, the conversation is going to start. We will launch the the new one going into 2024. So, but if you want to end the year and complete what we've done this year, they're out in the lobbies. Secondly is next week, if you're part of One Hope, you've been around One Hope, I don't explain what next week is, but there's a lot of new people in this last year. So I want to kind of update you, let you know um, what's happening next week with the Christmas offering, okay? One Hope has a history of generosity, One hope has a heart of giving ourselves away in so many ways, and sometimes that is through financial means. And and I was reminded this week that there's things that we do together, then there's stories I hear over and over how you do it on your own without even like church setting the pace. And I love that culture of us being a generous place. Well, because of that, we work on a 51-week budget as a church versus 52 because one time a year we give away the, uh, the offering to needs and uh, ministries in Tuscaloosa County. And so how that works is starting tomorrow, just like normal starting tomorrow, all the way through the rest of the, the week on Sunday, all the offering that's given... Uh, will be put together, and then you have the opportunity, whether online or in the, the, the welcome centers, um, there's forms there, uh, to, to nominate people that are like, you know they need some help this Christmas, or ministries are doing a great job, and you want them supported. We will be dividing that money, giving it out to, um, all of it out to this community. Now, one major offering of that, a one-third of it, we give to an organization that we want to help prop up. We want to help um, accomplish their tasks. In the last couple weeks, um, if you've seen uh, One Hope or even I shared on Facebook um, and Instagram was two years ago, we helped launch Freedom Farm. Right, And so that's been a ministry we've cared about. That's a ministry that we want to continue to be partners with in, in Coker. Um, and, and so we did that on Christmas offering, gave one-third of the offering to them. Well, this year, the board has uh, uh, nominated and then agreed upon a ministry called Baby Steps in our town. So it's a pretty new ministry, connecting with uh, girls at the university who are going through well, maybe one of the most crisis-filled moments for them in the season there when, when they get pregnant at the university, what do we do? Well, we've been a church that wanted to love people. We were a church that wanted to come support people. And this ministry helps not only, obviously, the baby, but the mother continue through university and continue to help them in life during one of these hard seasons. And so we're going to, we've connected with that ministry, the leaders, and uh, we want to help them accomplish what they're doing. We believe in them and in this ministry. We believe that Jesus would want to be involved in this. So next week, their leader will be here. We're going to pray for them. And we're going to um, uh, just, just bless them as they continue to do um, work outside of our church, but what we believe in loving and serving people. So that's coming next week. And so my ask for you is just to be praying. Is there something that you need to give 
so that you can continue to cultivate a heart of generosity in your life as we're trying to do the work that God has called us to do in Tuscaloosa County. Because we are a church that's beyond, that cares about things beyond just this wall, right? These walls. We, we have, in our history, have cared about what goes beyond and um, God doing a work, uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus. So that's next week. But let's go to today, starting Christmas. Um, if you're a guest with us today, first, so glad you're here. We, we would love for you to walk through Christmas season with you, and then after Christmas as well. We'd love to be in your life. Um, but if you are new today, there's something you don't know about me that um, one hope people do know. And that is this year was a, a weird and a transition year for Pastor Scott. Because it happened in August that Amber and I had to drive to South Carolina and say goodbye to our firstborn. It was the worst, all right? It's just the worst, and you know it's the worst, and I, that Sunday I didn't speak because I would have been a mess up here. Like, we knew Scott can't speak that Sunday, and Ellie's been gone for the whole semester. And people ask me, what is that like? And I'm like, it's weird. Until you experience, it's just, it's just a new thing. But what I say is, it's one of the stupidest things ever, okay? Because think about it this way. You, you have a child, and you're with them for 18 years, right? And your lives are intermingled in ways that's like the good mem- moments and the hard moments. Oh, you're together. The, the good memories and, the, and maybe not so good You're together. You go on trips, and you eat meals, and you talk. It just, you, you just you cross paths in everything, and then all of a sudden, one day, they're like, your 18 years is up, and now they're gone, and you wake up, and I'm like, where did my daughter go? It's the dumbest thing ever. And what I experienced was, Ellie's, the lack of Ellie's presence in our house was felt. Her lack of being there made things different in our life. But y'all, Tuesday's coming. This Tuesday... Ellie is coming home for a month. Don't call me, I'm busy, all right? No, I'm just kidding. Ellie's coming home for a month. Exams are over. For her, calculus is over. Molecular biology is over. All the classes I never would have taken in college, they're over, you know what I'm saying? It's over, and she's coming home for a month, and her coming home. We're gonna do things that we haven't been able to do for the last three, four months. Little things, like we'll go to Taco Casa together, amen? Like, we'll watch movies together. Someone was gracious that they gave us tickets. We're going to go to a hockey game in Nashville together and spend time together. We're going to do the things we couldn't do because she is home. And her presence in our house is going to be great because I've been missing it. And why do I start today with this conversation? I'm thinking about her coming home, right? I'm counting the days. And I'm wondering, because of this experience, does the Christmas story take on a different... Whoa. A Christmas story, uh, experience take on a different feel this year. I'm wondering if this year I will look at the Christmas story a little bit different because I know it's not apples to apples, but we know the Christmas story of, of Jesus. We know if you've been brought up in the church, if you have been... Um, in a church for the Christmas season, you know kind of the conversations that are going to happen. You know the story of the Jewish people and their waiting. You you maybe have heard about that 400-year gap 
between the Old Testament writings and the New Testament writings and, and, and maybe heard the conversation that this gap has almost been described as a, a, a gap in relationship. That it's almost that God went silent. It'd be described as maybe the presence of God was missing and it was felt. The void was real. In this moment, in, in, in the time before Jesus came, it seems like they only had old words from God, not new words of hope. They're living in old words that were telling them that God was going to come one day, that he was going to be with them one day. This gap, this void wouldn't be felt. It had prophecies like this, Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah speaking, I'm half a God to the people. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. They had these promises, y'all. They had these promises that he would come. This gap, this distance, wouldn't be what it was anymore. The time would come where he would be with them. It would happen. They didn't know when, but they did have a promise. But as we know, the promise came true because we've got a star in the sky. We've got shepherds in a field. We know the story. There's a manger that the, the promise came true. We see its prediction in Isaiah, but then we see it coming to fruition in Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. We see it again. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. It happened, and we celebrate. See, this Christmas is going to come with a, a lot of things, and, and we're going to have a lot of conversations. Jesus is going to be spoken about. We'll, we'll talk about how much we get from Jesus coming to earth. We know what Christmas is going to be about. But I'm wondering this morning if I can submit an argument to you. If I can make an argument to you this morning of all the things we're going to talk about, all the stories and all the things that are going to come to your mind in this season, could it be said that the number one thing that we get from Christmas, from Jesus, is a reminder that we have his presence. Isaiah would said it was going to happen. Matthew confirmed it happened. And today we get to continue to live in the promise that this took place. The simple truth that God came to be with us. Is this simple truth the most powerful thing of Christmas. Because we talk about hope and peace and joy, but don't they come 
as an offshoot, as part of the package of the presence of God that he came to be with us. Is there a chance the most simple truth is a powerful life-changing reality? But with that being said, I wonder about something this Christmas. I wonder about something about your life and my life this Christmas. Even though we, through Jesus, have God coming to be with us, do you ever feel distance between you and the presence of God? Be real with yourself today. Do you ever feel a distance between you and the presence of God? This week, I was having a conversation with a one hoper, and I go, hey, question for you, because I'm speaking about it Sunday. Do you ever struggle with the idea, ever struggle with the reality of feeling a distance from the presence of God? Do you ever struggle with feeling like God is distant from you and you just want more of his presence? And she just looked at me and it was like just an obvious answer. She says, Scott, all the time I feel that. I feel that reality all the time and sometimes I don't know what to do about it. And I wonder about you. Have you ever been sitting in this room, for those in this room this morning, and you look around and you see, it seems like other people are feeling, experiencing the presence of God, and you're like, why don't I feel what they feel? Have you ever tried reading your Bible? And in this reading the scriptures, you're like, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I just don't feel God is close to me even in this. Have you ever prayed? And even in your prayers, you're like this, it seems like this presence of God that you absolutely want feels elusive to you. It's a terrible feeling. If you've ever experienced this in your life, a distance, God, where are you? It's a terrible feeling. So this morning, I want to acknowledge that this is sometimes a reality. One, you're not alone. Two, the story of the 400-year gap between the Old and the New Testament isn't the only time we see in Scripture where the presence of God seems to be distant from his people. I want us to go back. I want us to go back to where I ended the week before Thanksgiving when I spoke. Now, some of you weren't here, and some of you don't remember. So let me tell you, we went and looked at creation, and we went and looked at the provision of God. And my argument that day was, in creation... Uh, humanity got everything they ever would need and we had that conversation but there was a but in that but even in that adam and eve decided enough wasn't enough and sin entered the story right and this was the conversation and when sin entered the story it's like they didn't go with god's plan they didn't live inside of his margins and things changed in their life from, from that story, I mean, we could make a list of things that changed because of that action. 
Actually, the writer of Genesis in Genesis chapter 3 makes a list of things that happened because they made that decision. We can go, wow, a lot changed. But actually, as I read that story, I wonder if actually the number one ramification because of how they decided to live is written in Genesis chapter 3. Let me read it for you. Verse 23. It says, So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. You know, all that's being described here is they no longer can live in the garden, right? They can no longer live in the place where they had perfect unity with God. They no longer lived in this perfection of the presence of God. Things changed in this moment. It tells us that no longer did they walk through life with no shame and no fear and no insecurity. All of a sudden, things changed when this happened in their life. I mean, think of, if you can go back to that story, you can think about what it was like for them every day. They just walked with God, having conversations, not living in all the things that you know you and I live in every day. And, 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 and while we know that story... Do you ever think about this? Can you imagine what it would have been like to go from living in the garden in the presence of God and the relationship that was there to all of a sudden being out in their life, their feelings, how they perceived the world changed in that moment? I have to imagine it was excruciating to be outside the presence of God like they once had it see as I look at that story what I see is God's plan how he created things were for you and him to live in this garden and just be together in presence his heart quite frankly I think is seen in this that his heart is to be with us in life Well, we ruined it. And then it seems like the thread throughout Scripture is we continue to make decisions that separate us from the presence of God. We continue to choose things, idols, people, instead of God. And what happens is we miss out on maybe the number one thing he wanted in creation is to be with us and us be with him. Which is why I think the Christmas story can be so powerful. Y'all, why I think the Christmas story can be so powerful is because I see a story of God once again fighting for us to experience his presence with us in our lives. In the beginning, he wanted it. Through the thread of scripture, we see he's fighting to be with us. And in Jesus, it's just another moment where he's like, I want to be with you and you to be with me. God once again is fighting for what he wants maybe more than anything is to be with us 
in us with him. And so I asked you a story at the beginning. I asked you a question at the beginning. Do you ever feel a distance in the presence of God? Do you ever feel that? Let me ask it another way. Do you ever feel a distance between you and the presence of God? And have you asked yourself why? Because it seems through the Christmas story, it seems through the creation story, God wants to be with you. Can you personalize that for a moment this morning? It's not just that God wants to be with us. Can you personalize it? God wants to be with you. That's his plan. That's his heart. That's his desire. So if you feel a lack of his presence, my question is, why? Why do we feel that? Well, let me give you some suggestions this morning. If you're note takers, you can take this down, that I think sometimes we feel the lack of presence of God is because, number one, we over-sensationalize it. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We over-sensationalize it. Sometimes I feel the presence of God in powerful ways. There are times, and no surprise to you, I am moved to tears in the presence of God. I feel him. And sometimes I don't. There are times when I look around and I feel like I see God moving. I can see tangibly ways in the way he moves. And sometimes I don't. But I think the reality of humanity is this is what we want. We want to feel God. We want to see God because this is not only like it feels good, but it's evidence for us. This is who we are. And it's not just you, it's not just me. I see a story of Jesus. He has a conversation with people, actually in the New Testament, where people come to him and go, can you show us a sign and then we'll believe? And if you know this story, do you know what God says, or what Jesus says to them? Your generation, you're always wanting another sign. No, I'm not going to give you another sign. You've got your signs. I'm giving you another sign. You always want this evidence. You want to be able to see it right in front of you for you to believe in who I am. I believe Jesus would say this to us sometimes. You want to be able to see it. You want to be able to feel it to believe in my presence in your life. You know, why do I think he said it to them and why do I think he would say it to us? Well, I think it's pretty simple. If we always felt or saw God, you wouldn't need faith. Think about it. If you always saw and felt God, you wouldn't need faith in your life. The reality is sometimes the presence of God isn't felt or seen, but it doesn't mean it's non-existent. Scripture tells us, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I am with you. The 
The story of creation is I came to be with you. The story of Christmas is I came to be with you. I think Jesus would say, I'm the one doing the hard work to be with you. You always don't have to feel, you don't have to see, we don't have to over-sensationalize. We sometimes you know, maybe say, oh God, you are with because I have faith in who you are, your character and your love. So sometimes the answer to you, why don't you feel the presence of God like you want? It's because our faith isn't what it needs to be believing in the character of God that he is with you maybe it's not that though for you maybe it's the second one maybe it's because our heart has become hardened God wants to be with us God is there but why don't we experience the presence of God why do we feel a distance from God maybe our heart has become hardened this is where you need to do some self-evaluation two things one is sometimes our heart can become hardened hardened because something happens in life that is hard and we begin to doubt God and we begin to blame God this is a very tough one this is a very tough one Paul says in Ephesians 4 18 they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. This can happen. Can I tell you this morning, I was actually talking to someone pre-service today, talking about their family, how life is hard right now. And oftentimes, the results of hard things in our life is our heart gets hardened because we get upset and mad at God. And then what happens is, is like, God, you're not here. You're not with me. Can I challenge that this morning? That I think scripture is very clear if you look, that it's in our hardest moments. God actually draws the closest. But it's our heart that's gotten hard that we end up keeping him at a distance. I have to imagine in the Christmas story, some Jewish people were very, very upset at God. Jesus has come, and even in that, the acceptance of his presence, not just theology, but even experience, has hardened their heart. The second thing, the second thing what often hardens our heart is a lifestyle. Our lifestyles, we'll call it lifestyles of sin, of habits, can harden our heart and we don't experience God. Scripture is very clear that sin can separate us from God, not from his love, not from his presence. But I believe that's talking about that, that this connection in the relationship. And maybe this Christmas, if there's somebody in this space, somebody watching online, where you're like, God feels so distant, is it because he is distant or your lifestyle has hardened your relationship with God? And you have to deal with the reality that maybe it's me that's the problem. 
Sometimes our heart becomes hardened to God, and he feels a distance. Paul is writing in this chapter 4 here to the church. He's saying, hey, as a Christian, live this way because your views of God and your lifestyles can change your relationship. Third, third. Maybe it's just we simply become distracted. Do you know sometimes I say, say things from this stage that I know that you know that uh, what I'm about to say is something that is very clear in your life, but I've got to say it anyways. I know you know it, but I know that I need to say it anyways. One of the things is simply this. We have become do, so busy doing things. Our pace has become so fast that we don't have time to see or experience the presence of God because we have squeezed them out of our life. Our pace has become so fast that it pushes God to the side. And then we wonder, God, where are you? When the reality is, we are so distracted with our pace of life, how could we even see God in this? But then there's moments like this that come and we go, yeah, you're right. I know this, Scott. You don't have to tell me, but you're right. Like, I know how I live life, and I haven't left room for God in this. Well, we can have some reactions in this. First reaction is we can say, well, to be honest, I like my life and I'm going to keep doing it because I like what I'm experiencing, so I'm not really going to change anything. Okay. That can be your reaction. Two, you can go, Scott, I get it. You're not wrong, but this is what life is. It's just crazy. What do you want me to do about it? Okay. Or three... When the reality comes up, we can stop for a moment and say, I can make some intentional decisions that maybe it's me that has squeezed God out, and he is there, but I actually, it's like I'm driving by so fast, I can barely even wave if I go by. Can I just tell you the truth about your life right now? You don't have to say yes to everything everybody else says yes to. You don't have to say yes to everything everybody else says yes to. No one is forcing you to live at the pace that you live. I know that we live with such a strong um, feeling of, of missing out. When you make a term FOMO, it's just, it is a thing. We're so scared of missing out, so we say yes. Your yeses may be squeezing God out of your life. Because let me tell you a very strong truth that God spoke to me this week. God is not obligated to run at your pace so he can fit into your life. God is not obligated to run at your pace to fit in. And sometimes we can go, God, where are you? He's like, I'm back here where you keep running. Because I'm not obligated to fit in your world. Because you're making decisions to say yes to everything else. Everything everybody else is saying yes to, and I am squeezed out. Fourth thing, last thing. Maybe it's because God wants us to seek Him. 
this Christmas. Here's what I mean. Is there a possibility that sometimes we feel a distance because God wants us to feel a distance? I want that to simmer in you real quick. Hear, hear me. Is there a chance that you feel a distance in the presence of God because he wants you to feel a distance from his presence? Because when you feel it, maybe you'll begin looking for him. Acts chapter 17 says this. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And then there's this famous words from James where he just simply says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Now, can I get, I've, I've stepped up on this soapbox before, but can I step up on the soapbox again this morning? Um, I've told you before, and I say this a lot off stage, believe me. There's a danger in a word that I hear Christians use, and that is, I am chasing after God. I get the sentiment. But can I show you the danger in that word of chasing after God? God, even in Scripture we see, He wants us to seek after Him. But can I tell you why the chasing gets me? It gives an imagery that God is running away from us. That He is playing a little game of hide and seek from us. Because when you chase, what are you doing? You're doing the work. You're running. You're going out. And it's like, I believe the story of creation. I believe the story of, um, of Christmas. And I believe the story that Pastor Bob spoke last week gives enough evidence just in those three stories to say you don't have to chase after God because he is chasing after you. That the story that Bob shared last week is of a young man who runs away from home until his life is completely messed up. And it says he went and started coming back towards the house. But one of the details that's left off in this story is that when the father sees him from way off, the father runs to him. The son doesn't even have to run to the father. The father runs to him. And sometimes I think we have to earn the presence of God by chasing after him. That we have to do something to go and find him. He's there. He's been chasing you since creation. He came to be with you. He's the one who over and over fighting to be with you. I think when it talks about seeking, I think it's saying, I want to make this a priority. It's I want to give myself to. I want to turn my attention to. And sometimes I think we lose in translation, almost like this is a game or this is big effort on our part that we got to go find God because of what we've done or the distance that we feel. This is not good. I how I view this, I'll give you... I do not feel the presence of God 
the moment I turn to God, it's like he's there, been there the whole time. Because he wants to be with you more than you even want to be with him. And this is what's amazing about Christmas, is God is waiting, God is looking. You don't have to earn it. But there are things that I think we need to do to continue living in the presence of God. Listen, my son had a uh, basketball game on Thursday night and Friday night. I think he's playing very good, but he struggled a little on Friday night. Did fine, but he struggled with completing some shots. You know what he did Saturday morning? Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday morning woke up and he's like, morning, I'm going to the gym. I'm like, okay. Your, your team, I didn't know your team had practice. He's like, no, I'm just going to the gym. He's, he, he's there for the next three hours. And I see him at home. Because he's like, I, I've got to practice to change what happened here because I don't want to live in that moment again. I want to get better. In 19, I mean, I'm sorry, 1691, there's a man named Brother Lawrence. He was a monk. He died. In 1692, his friends put together a book from conversations they had with him. And the book was called Practicing the Presence of God. And this may seem weird. How do I? Practicing the presence of God, growing in, doing the things. Once again, we don't have to earn the presence of God, but I think there are things we can do lifestyle-wise to stay in the presence of God. I'm just going to tell you quickly the four things he said. And maybe this Christmas, these could be four things that you could have on your mind to walk in. First one's this. To practice the presence of God, you need to live in a continual conversation. Continual conversation. You know what this meant to me? You include God in all parts of your life throughout the day. Aren't the best relationships where you're like, okay, I'm doing this, and you have you, you talk, and maybe you call or you text, okay, that's what I'm doing. And then you move to the next thing, you're like, oh, I just call and I text and I call. I text. What if we brought God along in everything and just I, I have a conversation with God throughout my day? What do you think that would do with the presence of God in your life? The second thing you see is genuine love. What Brother Lawrence talked about is sometimes we live in a faith relationship with Jesus because we are thinking about we want heaven in the future, but don't live in a genuine love of God today. And his advice was, how do you do what you can do to grow in a genuine love of who God is, not just what he does for you after you die? To think about, process, maybe write down all the things that are so lovable about God in your life. How would that change your relationship in the presence of God? The third one you can see is to have real trust. I think many of us have convenient trust, but not real trust. We have convenient trust when it's like, it's easy, it makes sense. Yeah, I trust you, God. But in the hard things, who do we really trust? It depends on the moment. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's another person, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's whatever. Like, 
we trust other things. And he begins to talk about having a real trust, which means it's consistent, and it's in all things, not just when it's convenient and easy. And then the last one was having an undivided heart. This one was the hardest for me. Let me tell you why. I think in life, we, there are a lot of good things. And how do I really like a lot of good things, but not divvy out my real love to all those things? How do I balance really enjoying and living in the blessing of God, and He's created all things, and I really like life, but have a whole heart for God? How do I do that? And so this is the one that I'm actually going to talk about, I mean, think about the most during Christmas. How do I really am thankful and live life and enjoy the things of life, but have a whole heart in love with God, that he has all of me in that way. See, the reason this morning, and I'm ending today, is why I started with Christmas this season with this message, is I want you to know from the jump, right from the beginning, the most powerful thing about the Christmas story is a God in heaven came to be with us and it changes how we live our life. The most amazing thing is to live in the presence of God through the coming of Jesus. My mentor this week asked me a simple, maybe even a cliche question, but I'll share this question. He said, Scott, you're talking about the presence of God and how it's the most amazing thing in the Christmas story. That God came to be with humanity. If all you got for Christmas was a real, genuine, kind of that deep understanding that God's presence is with you, would that be enough? ask you that question, even if it's cliche, if that's all you got was a deep understanding that God is with you, would that be enough? Ellie's coming home on Tuesday. It's going to be great. But I do question myself. My desire for Ellie to be present at home. Do I have an equally passionate desire to be in the presence of God? Man, it's so easy to think about Ellie and the things we're going to do. But do I stop and do I think, God, I really want to have your presence in my life. This season's going to be crazy busy. Is there room for God? You don't have to earn his presence. You don't even have to try hard at his presence. You just have to open yourself up to and begin to live in that presence. But do you desire that enough? Or the truth is you like all the other things better. That's my challenge, my first challenge for Christmas. Will you receive and live in the presence of God in a way you haven't before? Will you open yourself up to the presence of God like never before? Forget God with us. Will you let God be with you 
this Christmas. For somebody today, that may be the first move, is to say, Jesus, I give you my life. And you've been on the fence about this, or you've been like, or maybe you've walked away from Jesus, and you need to go, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I, I give you my life. I want your presence. And you can do that this morning. It's a simple prayer of Jesus. Forgive me. You died on the cross for me. You came at Christmas, which began everything. And I just want to give you my life. But for other people, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just, Jesus, I've squeezed you out, and I want more of you this Christmas. I want more of you. And I'm going to make some intentional decisions to live in your presence in a different way this Christmas. And so, God, first message of Christmas you know this week, my battling through this, trying to help us see what the most important thing this Christmas should be. And God, I want to thank you that you came through Jesus a couple thousand years ago. But God, I want to thank you that as much as you want to be with them, you want to be with us. Maybe help us to grow in our conversations with you. Help us to really trust you. Help us in our undivided heart where we, we just give it to you completely. God, help us if those areas are really hardened because life is hard. Will you soften our hearts to you because we really receive your love no matter what's happened. God, we want you, and maybe this Christmas, and nothing else. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.